There was a big wooded area a few hundred yards behind the house I grew up in. My brothers and I would explore back there pretty often. There was a pond connected to a creek. Uh, A tree had fallen perfectly across the creek, giving us this this bridge to run across. There were trees. There were four-leaf clovers. There were unusual rocks. There were wonderful things to notice. We would explore back there for hours, noticing all of the things that nature had to offer. Now, some call this kind of thing marveling. You, you know, you go out and you, you marvel, marvel, and maybe you bring a treasure to home with you. Well, spring has certainly sprung outside, and there is marvelous color. And, and we have time for walks these days. The, the days are getting longer. When was the last time you were able to, to do that, to go out and, and look around with purpose, to, to just go marveling? Just as Miss Hannah encouraged our children and their families to go do a couple of Fridays ago, I encourage you to go out and, and do this as well. Just go marveling. Now, spending time in, in God's Word is a lot like, in my opinion, going marveling. There's, there's always something new to discover every time we plan to take a journey in it and with it. And the Sermon on the Mount is a marvel. Indeed, this is no ordinary sermon. And and I am marveling as we go through this sermon together. Marveling at the ways God just lays out just what it looks like to to live well, to to follow Jesus and and love others, all others. Let's pick up the text in, in verse 43 together. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and, and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Now, here's what's going on here. Jesus uh, refers to neighbor and, and the audience would have thought their Jewish neighbor uh, when he recites this law from Leviticus chapter 19. The, the enemy, as Jesus says enemy, the, the folks would have thought about Rome. Now, I've mentioned to you before that the reality of the people listening to this sermon was, was Roman occupation, which carried with it a, a great deal of anxiety. But it's even deeper than, than that. Enemy would have also uh, invoked an understanding of, of all Gentiles, And Gentiles for the Jew were known to be the other, uh, idolaters, or or even dirty or inferior. And some teachers of the law actually urged treating Gentiles fairly and kindly, but for the most part, Gentiles were understood to be treated as the other. Those people over there that that don't belong over here with us, um, we are God's chosen people. And that's the thing. Jews, they knew that they were God's chosen people. And and because of this, they also knew where other people stood. But but God never wanted them to sit in their chosenness. They were uh, to, in their chosenness, show the rest of the world, all those others, what God is like. But, But when you're chosen, it's easy to want to be served yourself and... And they fell into that trap, becoming the center of their own world 
they often, too often, forgot God and forgot their call. And this sounds eerily familiar to me. I, I hear talk of the other far too often today from us, from those who supposedly follow Jesus. Now, can I tell you about one of the rooms, one of the rooms in our house? It's our dining room. Well, that's what it's supposed to be. And right now it's my office. Leslie Ann's office is in our bedroom. And listen, we're making do as best we can during, during this time. But, but even before the quarantine began, our, our dining room was kind of this, this catch-all room. Kids' project pages, their backpacks, they would all end up there. Just boxes of stuff that our parents would bring over from their attic. You know, the stuff that'll be ours someday anyway. Uh, random mail, random kids' toys that I would collect in a tizzy marching around the house trying to straighten things up and not knowing where any of the things I was picking up off the floor were supposed to go or what to do with them. So I just put them in a box or a bag, and, and, and there it sits, right there in the dining room, indefinitely. <laughs> I know Leslie Ann is, is listening to me right now, <laughs> and she's probably cringing that I'm letting you all, uh, yeah, letting you all know about <laughs> the dining room. Because unless you just pop over, <laughs> you know, and come see us, which I'd love for you to do, if we know you're coming, we are certainly going to, to straighten up the dining room. <laughs> I wish we could get it together and use that room for what it was intended to be used for. Now, remember with me, Throughout this chapter, so far in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been helping to clarify the law that he had come not to abolish, not to do away with, but to fulfill. To help us understand the law, to live it better. The, the mission to fulfill the law is not a, it's not a criticism of the law or a criticism of Torah. It's a, it's a criticism of what Torah had become. Jesus said your righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. The, the scribes and the Pharisees were the, were the most righteous folks out there. They're, yeah, but their interpretations, they had fallen short of God's will for their understanding and, and the people that looked to them's understanding of Torah. What, what Jesus is describing here seems to be one of the primary ways that the righteousness of God was misunderstood in the interpretation of the law. The, the other was seen as unclean and, and unworthy of God's love. And what we're talking about here is our challenge today. Will we be defined by our chosenness or will we be defined by our love for the other? That's what righteousness exceeding that of the scribes and Pharisees looks like. Now, understanding Jesus' teaching here properly hinges on understanding just how God loves us. Scott McKnight explains God's love for us as having three levels, so to speak. God is with us, God is for us, and God is unto us. Now, Leslie Ann turned 40 this week. I turned 40 last month, and 
we were reflecting on the next decade of our life this week, you know, and, and we were reflecting on the decade that has passed. And much of our 30s, much of Leslie Ann's 30s were spent pregnant or nursing. And we are so blessed. We love our children. But I think Leslie Ann is just fine with moving into this new season of life, this, this new decade. Now, watching L.A. be a mom has helped me understand what McKnight, I think, is saying here. Now, she's not the perfect mom, nor am I the perfect dad. The last few weeks have solidified that. But watching her be with each of our children, including one miscarriage, from the moment that that we knew she was pregnant, watching her heart be for our children in the passionate, life-giving way that she is for our children and knowing that she will always be unto them as long as she lives. And unto simply means that we desire for, for their formation to be, you know, formation into responsible, productive adults. And specifically as followers of Jesus, that our children would be about God's purposes for them and God's kingdom. With, for, and unto. That's how God loves you. And that's how God loves everyone else. The kingdom is available to the masses. There is no one outside of God's reach. I heard a story once about a woman who was sick and tired of her preacher talking about what she called othering. Her friend asked her what othering was. He'd never heard of that term. She said, well, he he means we need to, to get acquainted with people who are, you know, different than us. We need to establish friendships with them. We need to share in in work and and prayer and praise with them. We need to, he says, do life together with them or or something like that. We we need to get acquainted with them and learn to get along with the other. He he calls it othering and I'm sick of hearing about it. (laughs) Listen, I hope I talk about othering the way she described it so much that I run the risk of making you sick of it just like she is. One day this week, Hattie, our three-year-old, was having a hard time embracing the fact that it was nap time. So I decided to lie down with her for a few minutes. Spending that time with her, you get to see a three-year-old stream of consciousness. You get to see thoughts just pouring out of this baby girl. These thoughts that are solely designed to keep her from falling asleep. But it was a precious monologue. And it occurred to me as I lay lay there that most of us make it to three years old. And and this is probably how we all act to some degree. This this innocence, this this undefiledness, this this force field around my daughter that, that fends off anxiety. And, you know, most of the anxiety that we feel, it comes later in life. And watching my baby girl try so hard not to fall asleep, well, it occurred to me. Of course Jesus said, let the little children come to me. The kingdom of heaven is, is for such as these. Of course Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who go around othering because they will be called children of God. Of, of course Jesus says, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Because this is exactly who the kingdom is for. It's it's for the simplest of us. 
The innocent, the the weak, the, the spit upon, the down and out, all those others who think they will never be anything other than the other. The kingdom is for them. God is with them, for them, and unto them. So our mission statement is is for us to engage each whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ, anytime, anywhere, with anybody. Again, to engage each whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ, anytime, anywhere, with anybody. Anybody. In verse 48, Jesus says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Again, this passage hinges on our proper understanding of God's love for us. God perfectly loves us. God is with us, for us, and and unto us. We truly are never alone, and so we are to be with one another, and for one another, and unto one another. God cares for all, so we are to love all. And we love perfectly when we love like Jesus. Indeed, this this is no ordinary sermon, and we will continue to marvel in it together this week.